first I have to write the thing, and then gotta fight That's it. Hello, can you hear me, folks? Welcome to the Job Meltdown. I am your host, T. Cloud. This is the closest thing you will get to an anti-work podcast, and where a missed call from your job can be as serious as a missed call from your spouse. The ability to call anyone around the world is useful. The fastest, and maybe even the best way, until we can telepathically give messages to each other, and that won't have any major flaws when that happens. For the longest time, face-to-face conversation with another human would have to happen at some point. Even with writing letters and whatnot, it was still common. When the telephone was invented, that really opened up a lot for communication. Workplaces always have to follow the latest ways to do tasks better. So of course, businesses would adapt and get phones themselves. This is fine and dandy as is, but a new problem emerges. There's now groups dedicated to scamming, and I won't call them businesses, they are just groups, that are dedicated to scamming you via outbound phone calls to try to get your personal information and bank cards. That's really the biggest issue facing phone service and the workforce. But on a lower pH balance scale, it's also annoying to deal with businesses on the phone. They put you on hold, they transfer you between people, and technical problems can truly happen that disconnects the call, making the process even longer and worse. On today's episode, Follow along with me and keep your ears open as we find out how call centers and telemarketing started, how they're going now, and how they're going to end up at the end of the call. This topic might not resonate with many of you, but if you decided to listen and you haven't worked at a call center, All of us have gone through many of the same frustrations on the phone. From disconnected calls to having to call someone to redo a job or calling technical support because a device or service isn't working, chances are you will experience some issues that are common all around when working with phones. I would like to enter my personal little corner here. Step over here real quick. I am going to be biased on this topic and hopefully informative too. I myself have worked at a call center for a couple of years. So yeah, I might have some insight and I will also look for some other scenarios I haven't come across working as a caller type worker. It's time for your history session. Okay, not in a super huge detail, but for all the people that work like this, it's nice to know where it all began for you to end up where you are now. ROI, or RoyCallCenterSolutions.com, gave us 
a blog. The history of call center services. Telephones were invented in 1876, and the switchboard followed shortly thereafter. While call centers didn't exist until several decades later, businesses have been exploiting this novel technology since around the turn of the 20th century. Oh, okay, Roy, you're, you're giving me good terminology here. I like your spice. When did call centers themselves start? The first commercial inbound call centers were established in the 1960s, it says here. The telephone has already found its place in the marketing world, but this was when businesses started using internal teams for farming customers and communicating with their patrons. This method of incoming calls made it easier to provide excellent customer service to more customers. Makes sense. Especially before the advent of digital telephone technology. These teams didn't work in facilities called call centers at the time though. This didn't crop up until 1983. The practice technically predates the trade in a modern regard. Thank you so much for that. What was the first business to use a call center? Fun fact, oh, I'm, well, I'm glad we're having some fun on this website. The first call centers are often attributed to housewives in the UK selling pastries to neighbors in the 1960s. While these Changemakers were the first to attempt a telephone-based outbound marketing model, the first commercial venture to utilize a rudimentary formal call center was the Birmingham Press and Mail, 1960, also based in the United Kingdom. So, pretty cool stuff to know the history there. Goes into technology though. Originally, call center operators would tackle each customer individually. Oh my goodness, I can't imagine that. Over time, the need to manage many calls at once obviously, often by relatively few employees, set the stage for innovation over 80 years. Private Automated Business Exchange, PABX, or PABX, systems were among the first landmark achievements in this profession. And I had to at least look to see what was going on with PABX, Private Automatic Branch Exchange. Went to another website real quick, Ring Central. What is PABX? If you worked with telephone systems before, you might have heard a few acronyms being thrown around, and I actually hadn't, but there's PABX, PBX, IPBBX, the list goes on. Private Automatic Branch Exchange is synonymous with modern-day business telephone systems. It connects external and internal calls to an internal network via a switchboard, without the need for manual operation in the middle, unlike its ancestor, PBMBX. PBMBX required operators to know exactly which wire should go into which port. Nowadays, of course, you're more likely to find an operator using buttons and codes to connect calls to the right department. Okay, so, you know, I've had an episode on technology, and here we are showing, like, it all started with individual employees having to take over calls, and then obvi obviously, the job had to morph and change over time, and so did technology. And then, you know, when switchboards and certain things evolved, you know, the job evolved. But, you know, did we lose a bunch of callers in that time? Yes, probably. But we also, again, with this technology change, gained a bunch of people that need to be on the phone so we can have those jobs established. So, so it all kind of just circles around and ties together, even though there is some change that eliminates certain positions. So it is pretty interesting to see all this. 
there's a tails side to this coin of calls. The devices needed to handle incoming calls most likely is wild, getting better over time. But what about the opposite? What if you have a device that can send many calls out at once? Phone books were a thing, so we can't really question how your number gets out there. But the thought of companies being able to just call you at any time is pretty strange, right? That's actually another side thought that I had. I've never had a phone call in the middle of the night, but the audacity of anyone calling another human at, at what's considered late sleeping hours for them is so irking in some way. It's just awful. Just wow. But, but say you have had a spam call. Think of this. Have you ever had an unknown number call you for just a second or two and hang up? And you just so happen to notice that they didn't fully try to call and leave a message or hang up after several tries. That's a telemarketer trying to get you to call the number back. Never do this, though. All right, so I won't go into a rage about stupid spam calls, but certainly there are laws in place that kind of halt this sort of activity. And yes, 1991... President George H.W. Bush signs in the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, limiting the number of calls and restrictions on how automated systems can do things. Nearly a decade later, the Do Not Call Implementation Act of 2003 was enacted by his son, <laughs> George W. Bush. This makes commercial callers beholden to a national registry of household phone numbers. Registering yourself should, in theory, block your phone line from unwanted spam calls and other forms of telemarketing. Regardless of your political stance and what you agree or disagree with what these presidents have signed, these acts were crucial to easing the burden of phone calls on Americans. Other countries needed rules in place as well, and they have. But now since we know where call centers came from, what's the anti-work part of all of this? What's going on inside the center of the center? Are call center jobs good? Here's my bias answer that I can give for two years, no it's not, and that's why I'm about to passionately explain why working at a call center is a miserable, soul-sucking experience. Every episode is going to have this in common. Is the job hard? Clearly, sitting at a desk on a phone is not physically demanding, so how can we measure difficulty in a physical job versus a mentally charged position? It all depends on what the job provides you, right? A nice office with your own space and storage and a good computer with useful programs sounds like a good job to have. When the job becomes this rotation of people and you are just a number, a body count, to take on the onslaught of calls you are about to take is really not a good time. And we can't make every job great. I understand that. But making any parts of the job better is my goal on the show. So I'm doing what I, I'm doing what I can, folks. I myself worked in a call center for tech support, helping people with their internet. I will say a positive in that this job 
had a training course. Was it thorough? Maybe, maybe not, but I'm glad they did it. I learned their programs to help customers connect back online. I wasn't good at it for a bit. I can confidently say I did really good at understanding why and how internet modems work, at least to a degree, so that was pretty neat. I didn't have a cubicle, but every desk was walled off to the other one on the opposite side, but it was laid out in rows so you could interact with a few people behind you. Most of the time you got your own designated computer, but problems occur and people leave, so sometimes you don't, and it's not always a clean desk. I'm no saint, but I throw away my obvious trash. Thank you to all janitors again. The best part about the job was the people I met. I don't keep in touch with anyone at that last job. Still on good terms if I saw them in the wild. Now, as much cool stuff as I was able to access from people's modems and Wi-Fi, I could only do so much. And sometimes you can't tell if something like construction caused an outage or whatever, but people expect you to be this wizard on the other end because they can't see what you're doing faceless communication for some reason brings out the worst words humans will say to each other because you're not near them there's no repercussion for their actions this is where the mind games come into play let me show you a scenario of how people at call centers feel on the other side Whole Liquors Internet Service, this is T-Klaus speaking. How can I help you? Hi, I've been a customer for a while now, and the service has been great until today. The internet just seems really slow the last week. I've tried to unplug the box, but it's still not working. Can you help me with this? Well, sure. Just to verify, can I please get the last few digits of your social? Ugh, I kind of already did that with the automated machine. You really don't have me on there? I... Probably do, but I just need to confirm who you are in case you aren't the account holder. Huh, oh, okay, it's 4321. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, so your modem is a ripoff 2.6, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay, and what's it doing? It just has one yellow light. Blinking? Uh, no. Okay, one second. So this is Andrew I'm speaking with, yes? Uh, yes, that's correct. Okay. I did try to send a signal to your box, but I see nothing on my end from it. Can you unplug all the wires, including the coax cable for me? What's that? That's the wire you have to unscrew. Oh, I only see the telephone-looking plugs. Is there two antenna on this box? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, so that's not... Your modem, that's your way too expense router. I need the other box unplugged. Oh, so you have to unplug that one too? Y yes, sir. That's the main source of the, of the internet. I'm not in the same room as that box. I'll need you to go there, sir. Okay, hang on. Are you still at your house? Okay, I'm about to unplug it. <laughs> All right, it's done. Okay, we just have to wait a minute or so, and then we will plug it back in and try again. Oh my gosh, hang on. All right. I mean, it's back on, but it still doesn't seem any faster.
Well, sir, I do see that your modem is online and your service is on full blast on our end, but you do have a pretty outdated modem by five years, so you're not getting your full potential. Wait, I have to keep buying these boxes? I thought you guys replaced them. No, sir, you see, when you chose this plan, you went and purchased that modem yourself. If you want to rent a modem, you can, but that is extra on the plan. Ah, oh, yeah, of course it is, friend. Well... Schedule me a tech out here. I still think the wires out here aren't good, and I need them here ASAP. Okay, well, the best I have is next Monday. They are pretty booked out because of the holidays, and so what? What? That's crazy. You can't call them yourself? No, sir, I don't have that ability. You're a call center who can't call your own tech? My God, I want to speak to a supervisor about this. You're terrible at your job. This service is the worst, and I'm telling everyone about it. Okay, sir, I'll transfer you to my supervisor. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I'll tell you that you... Wow, mercy upon my supervisor, who will now say the same things I said to them in different wording. So that was a way, way tame example of how, one, it's sometimes inconvenient for the customer over the phone to do this with someone while also doing other tasks, necessary or not. And two... Someone with this job just went through all this trouble and got a negative experience on something that wasn't their fault. And even if the pay is good, they may have horrific calls over and over again, really taking a toll on oneself. It takes a strong person to do this job. So why give weak pay and micromanage everything these people do? That's a terrible part too. The fact that growth doesn't really happen for everyone, so you just have some people staying and doing calls day in and day out. Someone has to do the job. Also, technology talk again. With the advancement of AI, you can bet companies will start having AI-type customer support reps. And if it's already difficult with the person, I don't know if a robot will be any better. It exists today as saying voice commands to get you to the right department or getting a different language engaged, but as getting the right service to fit your needs, AI might not always be the right way to go. Forbes had an article on this. How can AI fit into customer service calls correctly? This one section says a lot for us. No matter how fast and smart technology becomes, it will never be a satisfying substitute for a human-to-human -human connection during high-stakes moments of truth in customer interactions. Automation is great when we need to schedule an appointment or make a payment, but when it comes to things like disputing a hospital bill, filing an insurance claim, or committing to a long-term purchase agreement, there's nothing like the real thing. Call centers are wild. Not human, even. If we all have these problems on the phone, let's realize a few things and improve them. Treat your customer service reps with respect. You have no idea on the amount of people they have talked to before you and what they've had to go through. Don't pick up any numbers on your phone that you don't recognize. Companies should be creating a comfortable space for their employees, and I guarantee they will see positive results if they do so. I'm losing a lot of minutes here. That's really all I've got for you today. 
Thank you so much for listening to The Job Meltdown. My name is T-Clow. Follow me where you get podcasts. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever they are. Download the podcast. Please follow, share, and that really does help me out. Thank you again. Coma Media, Deep Ambient, is the intro and outro for the show. And I also had their background music from Coma Media, Acoustic Motivation. So thank you so much for your, your work that you've done. And as always, folks, oh yeah, that's right. The next episode will be one week delayed. It would normally be on the 25th. It actually will be October 2nd. Uh, I've got my birthday around the corner, so I'm celebrating a little bit. But yes, the next episode of The Job Meltdown will be on October 2nd. So stay tuned. Thank you again for your support. And don't work too hard out there. We'll see you next time. Yeah, George W. Bush.